the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. The earth did quake, and the rocks rent, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose, and came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city, and appeared unto many. Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things which were done, they said, they feared greatly, saying, Truly this was the Son of God. When the even was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. He went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn in the rock, and he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulchre and departed. And there was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary sitting over against the sepulchre. Now the next day that followed, the day of the preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees came together and they came to Pilate. They said, look here. We remember that that deceiver said while he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Command therefore that the sepulchre be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say unto the people, He is risen from the dead, so the last error shall be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, You have a watch, go your way, make it as sure as you can. So they went and made the sepulchre sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Matthew 27. Verses 56 through 66 will be the focus of our study in this lesson with Dr. John G. Mitchell. But first, let's join our teacher in Matthew 27, verses 52 through 53, as he discusses this very curious scripture. Matthew is the only gospel writer who mentions the resurrection of the many saints. They came out of their tombs after the resurrection of Christ and went into Jerusalem, and they appeared to many. It seems Matthew is proclaiming the truth of the resurrection of Old Testament saints in the future to fulfill God's promises to the fathers to enter his kingdom at Jesus' second coming. And this is a hope of all Israel. Dr. Mitchell clarifies what kind of resurrection Jesus' is. He also describes the respect and actions of Joseph of Arimathea for the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, here's Dr. Mitchell. Matthew chapter 27, verse 52 on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast. Thank you. Good day, friends. We've been dealing the last few lessons with the crucifixion of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, as found in the book of Matthew, chapters 26 and 27, how he was betrayed, 
and of how they crucified him, and the reaction to the people, to the dying thief, and to the centurion. In our last lesson we were mentioning, we closed with the fact that I personally believe that and both the centurion and the dying thief were saved. I won't go into that except to mention it. And then in verse 51 of how the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, signifying that the work of our Savior fully satisfied God, signifying there was no longer a barrier between God and man, and signifying that there was be no more need of sacrifice. I ought to have emphasized that and since the death of our Savior, in fact, since 70 A.D., there has been no more sacrifices even offered by the Jewish people. No more sacrifice for sin. Settled. Our Lord, by one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. I'm quoting uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12. Wonderful thing to have a Savior who guarantees his salvation. I like that, don't you? Don't you? I'm just as sure of my salvation, of never again seeing my sins, as I am that Jesus Christ died on the cross and the veil of the temple was rent in twain. Wonderful, wonderful thing. There's an access, there's a way open into the presence of God. And like the early church, would that we might call ourselves the people of the way. So people say, what way? And then you can tell them that Jesus Christ has opened the way. He is the way to the Father, as you have it in John 14, 6. Now, supposing we go on from there, and I'd like to suggest a word or two about verses 52 and 53, because someone's going to say, well, you left those two verses out. All right, well, we'll mention them. Verses I'm going to read from verse 51 again. Behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, the earth did quake, and the rocks rent, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose, and came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city, and appeared unto many. Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things which were done, they said, they feared greatly, saying, Truly this was the Son of God. Now, these two verses, 52 and 53, the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Now, as far as I remember, uh, Matthew is the only one who mentions this. Now, this, this, this raises some questions, does it not? Does that mean that when Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, all Old Testament saints were raised with him. I would say no. No, I don't think so. Uh, the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Now, their appearing unto many would not be have any significance if it were not for the fact that they must have been people of that generation who had died and who were raised and went into the city and bore testimony concerning our Savior. I see no point in the fact that these were Old Testament saints uh, who were raised from the dead and went into the city. Who would know them? Who would know them? 
and certainly all of them were not raised from the dead. You would have had a terrific situation there if all the saints of the Old Testament were raised from the dead at the resurrection of our Lord. Now, I believe there were some of that generation who came out of their graves and went back into the city and reported the things uh, concerning our Lord as a testimony because they went to the city and they must have gone to those whom they knew. Now, I'm not dogmatic on this. Not at all. Well, this is what I believe. And someone said to me when I suggested that one time, well, then they must have died again. Well, I said if they did, if they died again, uh, they wouldn't mind that because they know what's on the other side. That wouldn't be hard to take, would it? Having been on the other side and seen the glories on the other side, what God has for us, my friend, they would be happy to leave this old world. I think they went as a testimony to that generation. But I wouldn't press it. I just suggest it to you. Ah, uh, I see no other thing for it. And many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection, went into the holy city, and appeared unto many. You remember that our Lord was the first fruits of them that slept. And please notice it did not come forth out of their graves at the cross. It was after his resurrection that they came forth. And as you have it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. Now there are those who believe that there were some of the saints who were raised from the dead and went up with the Lord into glory as the first fruits, fulfilling, of course, what you have in the, in the Old Testament law on the feast of first fruits. Suffice for me to say that Jesus Christ was the first one in resurrection. When I come to Timothy, he's the only one dwelling in light who hath immortality. This raises another question, of course, concerning the fact of the bodies of those who were raised. I'm going to leave it there. I just make these suggestions. I certainly wouldn't be dogmatic on it. Now in verses 55, right on down to in verse 56, you have the women who had followed Jesus in his Galilean ministry. Uh, they were standing afar off watching the whole thing. And he gives their name of Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Joses and the mother of Zebedee's children. That's the mother of James and John. Now verse 57 to the end of the chapter, we have the burial of our Savior. I want you to mark this one. I read, When the even was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. He went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. Now let me just stop here a minute. Uh, you remember in one of the other versions, the other Gospels you have where, where not only Joseph of Arimathea, but also Nicodemus. And he, he teamed up with Joseph, and they came to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. And Pilate asked if, if Jesus was already inquired of the soldiers if Jesus was dead. They said yes, for you remember they put, a, as John tells us in John chapter 19, a soldier came, broke the bones, the legs, and the arms of the other thieves, of the two thieves rather, and when he came to Jesus, he found he was already dead, and he put a spear in his side. So they brought testimony to Pilate that Jesus was dead. And when Pilate heard that, he, he allowed 
uh, Joseph of Arimathea to get the body of Jesus. Verse 59, And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulchre and departed. And there was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary sitting over against the sepulchre. Now the next day that followed, the day of the preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees came together and they came to Pilate. And they said, look here, we remember that that deceiver said while he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Command therefore that the sepulchre be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say unto the people, he is risen from the dead. So the last error shall be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, You have a watch, go your way, make it as sure as you can. So they went and made the sepulchre sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. I just want to suggest one or two things here. Will you please notice that man was teamed up with all hell in keeping the body of Jesus in the tomb. I'm talking about the body that was nailed to the cross. When Joseph took down the body, it was the body that was nailed to the cross. Now, I'm emphasizing that for this reason, because, as we follow through, because there are those who believe that at the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it was not the body that was on the cross that was raised from the dead. There are different ideas of resurrection, which we may have, we may take up in the next chapter. Suffice for me to say there are those who believe that Jesus was raised from the dead with a body, some sort of a body, but not the one that was nailed to the cross. There are those who believe in a spiritual resurrection, not in the resurrection of the body that was on the cross. So I, I want to emphasize this fact that Joseph took from the cross the body that had died, that had been pierced with, an, with a spear, with the holes in his feet, in his hand, in his side. And and Joseph took the body and wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and he laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock, and he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulchre and departed. We just stop here for a moment. If you folk ever go to the Near East of Israel, to Palestine, I hope you'll spend one or two days just sitting before the empty tomb and outside the walls of Jerusalem. If you go there, you'll sit in, I don't mean the one inside the city, the one outside the city, the one right below the place called the skull. Uh, it's called the garden tomb, which fits exactly into what the Word of God says. There was a garden there, and it was a tomb in which never man had laid. And if you go there and go inside the tomb, which I personally believe was the tomb in which our Lord lay, you'll notice that no body has ever laid in that tomb except the body of Jesus. Because in the tomb there was only one place that was finished. And Joseph had, had hewn out the tomb out of solid rock, and he had made the one for himself. There was also a place for for possibly a boy or a little baby. And then on the other side, there was one about the size of a woman. Not finished. But the one on the left-hand side as you go in was the one which was finished. And as you sit there and read the story from the four Gospels of how he was laid in the tomb, 
Now, how the angels sat at the edge of where the Lord lay. You can picture the whole thing as he was laid in the tomb. Personally, I'm of the persuasion that this is the tomb where our Lord lay. And sometime, if you ever go over there, and quite a few people go over there these days, take your time, not just half an hour, but sit on those uh, benches outside the tomb and just sit there and meditate for a while. This is the place where the Lord was laid in a new tomb. Nobody else ever laid in that tomb, neither before nor even after the Savior. And then notice something else. From verse 62 to the end of the chapter, you hear you have the leaders of Israel saying they remembered something. You know, this staggered me when I first read this. Why didn't the disciples remember this? The Lord had said in John chapter 2, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it again. Three, day, three times he said to his disciples, the Son of Man must be crucified and buried and raised again from the dead. They couldn't understand it. But these enemies of Christ, they remembered what our Savior had said. Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it again. Do you remember the false witnesses came to... Uh, to Caiaphas, the chief priest in chapter 26, and we said, well, you heard that deceiver say, destroy this temple and I'll raise it up in three days. They forgot he was saying this, he said, of his body. But the leaders remembered it even when the disciples forgot it. And they said to Pilate, look here, when that deceiver was yet alive, he said, after three days I will rise again. Now you, you make this thing sure. You command that the sepulchre be made sure, right on through three days, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say to the people, he is risen from the dead, so the last error shall be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, you have a watch, and notice, go your way, make it as sure as you can. So they went and made the sepulchre sure sealing the stone, and setting a watch. Now remember, here's one who has died. They made sure he was dead. There never has been a question about the death of Jesus Christ. And the Romans are not fools enough, and these chief priests and leaders are not fools enough to leave the cross without Jesus being dead. They made it sure. Now I know there were those who said, and that maybe he fainted and they, they buried him and he got into the coolness of the tomb and he was resuscitated, not a bit of it. Believe me, the Jews made sure he was dead and the Romans wouldn't bury anybody who wasn't dead. They're not fools. They made sure he was dead and they knew where he was buried and they made it as sure as they could. All hell, can I put it this way? All hell and men were determined to keep the body of Jesus in the tomb. To me, it's an amazing thing. The one great doctrine in the Bible, of which we're going to speak more in our next lesson, when we come to chapter 28, there's any truth that the world doesn't want to believe is the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. They spiritualize it. They say he had another body but not the body that was nailed to the cross. And notice how the Spirit of God guards that when we come to 28 
and Luke 24, Mark 16, John 20. As you read these passages on the resurrection of our Lord, the Spirit of God guards very jealously the fact that the same body. Jesus said, you remember, to his disciples, Behold my hands, behold my side, behold my feet. It is I. Don't be afraid. It's not a spirit. It's I and the body that was nailed to the cross, now transformed and glorified. What I'm trying to get to you, my friend, is the resurrection of Christ is the great fundamental truth of Christianity. And all men in hell were determined not to let him be raised from the dead. Do you know why? Because in John chapter 5, our Lord said, The Father hath committed all judgment to the Son. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just. God has given to Jesus Christ the right to be the judge over all. If we can keep him in the tomb, then there'll be no judgment. Take Acts chapter 17, when the Apostle Paul went down to philosophical Athens, to the elite, the intelligentsia of the day, what did he preach? Jesus and the resurrection. Jesus and the resurrection. And they said, Let's hear what this babbler has to say. He brings certain strange things to our ears because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. And how did Paul end his message? By saying this, God hath set apart a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked and some scoffed and some said, We'll hear thee again. Why is it that men, religionists, leaders, the intelligentsia of our day, do not want to believe in the physical resurrection of Christ? They would rather keep the body in the tomb. That's why these religious leaders said to Pilate, that deceiver said while he was yet alive, in three days I will rise again from the dead. Now you make it sure. So he can't get out. And his disciples can't get in. And Pilate says, you've got to watch. Go your way and make it as sure as you can. And they took a stone and rolled it in front of the sepulcher and they sealed it and said, a watch. And remember, the sepulcher was carved out of solid rock with a stone sealed. And the chances are the stone would be about eight inches thick and about uh, ten inches high in circular stone. They rolled in front of the, of the sepulcher and sealed it and put a Roman watch around it for after three days. You stay there until after three days. I tell you, my friend, all hell and men were banded together to keep Jesus in the tomb. Thank God, on the third day he rose again from the dead. So we can sing, Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph for his foes. He arose a victor over the dark domain, and he lives forever, his saints to reign. He arose. He arose. Hallelujah. Christ arose. Rejoice in that today. Watch and pray, 
trust that your hearts have been blessed and encouraged through the study of God's Word. You may write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to The Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. The Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is The Unchanging Word radio broadcast. Bye,